Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pop Swap with myself and Carlos. Hi, good Carlos. afternoon. How are we? <laughs> We're good. <laughs> Sorry, and I don't your, know what that was. And your Cockney. <laughs> yeah. Afternoon. <laughs> All right. Everybody, <laughs> we're Cockney today for this episode. <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. Let's we're scrap not. that very quickly. Okay. Uh, yes. So uh, we have hopefully some new lovely selections for you this week again. And we've been checking out a few things. Indeed. Now, uh, I kind of made the mistake this week, to be honest with you, of throwing all my eggs into one basket. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that some films that I watched the other night I chose a couple of movies some German films that I like the sound of I saw the right. trailers and, and they look very interesting but uh, where did you watch these movies? Uh, I streamed them through an American uh, an independent cinema in America somewhere oh. I can't remember what it was called but the it was a good service it was like a I think they call it the Friday Cinema spelled F-R-I-D-A or something okay um, but yeah it was cool I could it was basically like an independent cinema chain yeah, and they were showing like a a season of German films at the moment as part of that, and uh, you could just like buy a title for eight dollars or something. It was it was pretty cool. Okay, um, but yeah, so I was hoping they would be as strong as the trailers made them out to be, but unfortunately, it didn't really go that way, and they were just average, and I don't don't really feel like chatting about them in the podcast here, and I also feel like it's a bit mean to kind of rip apart an independent film. Yeah, because um, you know a lot of effort goes into making those things, and yeah. I don't really want to be putting yourself of... out there creatively. You know, you don't have yeah, a big studio exactly. backing you. You just they, they, you're doing your best. That's what we yeah. say to those people. But yeah. I'll tell you something, Dean. <laughs> okay, sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, no, no. Go you know who we can rip the piss out of? Who's that? <laughs> big studio movies. We certainly can, and yeah. I think. Just as a little bit of a teaser for you guys, uh, I think in a bit, uh, when we get round to Carlos's selection, he may um, be going yeah. full on attack mode <laughs> yeah. at a big studio production yeah. at the moment. But anyway, Which, ba- ba- back to you, dude. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, so uh, like I say, a bit mean for me to have a go at those and they weren't terrible by any means. They just didn't impress me enough to be worth chatting about this episode. I guess they didn't set you on fire. They didn't, no. But uh, so I kind of thought back, I've still got to chat about something. And there was a show that I watched a good few weeks back, which was called Soulmates, which is an anthology series that was originally aired on AMC, I think. And uh, by made by showrunners Will Bridges, who won an Emmy for his writing of the USS Callister episode of Black Mirror. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know that one. And I think he may have written on a few other Black Mirror episodes as well. Cool. And uh, actor-writer Brett Goldstein, who starred in the, the Ricky Gervais sitcom Derek, and I think he wrote on the Catherine Tate show as well. I'm not okay. too familiar with him, but they're, they're the two showrunners of this. The first episode stars Sarah Snook, whose face was familiar to me, and I later discovered she was from the movie Predestination. Oh, I don't yes. Know yeah, yep. which is uh, quite an enjoyable time travel film. And uh, Kingsley Benadire, who really impressed me recently enough in um, a movie called One Night in Miami, where he plays Malcolm X, and he was brilliant in that. First time I'd seen him in anything. I think he's a I've British actor. I've seen that. 
never seen that. And that's it's a it's a it's a decent little film, and uh, he was very good in that. And they uh, they both give really solid performances in this. Um, in the first episode, they play like a a married couple who sort of on the surface it appears like they're in quite a stable marriage together, and mm-hmm. then unfortunately for them and all the other characters in the anthology. They happen to live in a not too distant future where uh, science has unlocked what's kind of referred to as the soul gene, which, okay. if you want to be very cynical, sounds like a bit of nonsense really, doesn't it? But, uh, <laughs> um, but it does make for quite a fun concept uh, and kind of like a reason for them to explore the idea of relationships with the characters now, I know what a few of you might be thinking listening to some of this, especially if you've been checking Netflix lately. And my reaction to what I saw on Netflix was probably reversed from a lot of people who may not have seen Soulmates beforehand. But there's a show that's trending at the moment, I think called The One on One, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I watched the trailer for that and I kind of just rolled my eyes because it just looked like a very cheesy version of the of same what I'd thing. already seen. Yeah, right. the same concept. <laughs> I kind of already seen there. Um, and where is Soulmates available for viewing, Dean? Well, I'll take a big guess, Carlos. <laughs> is it on Amazon Prime by any chance? It is, unfortunately, <laughs> on Amazon Prime. <laughs> oh, we're cursed. We're cursed to forever make choices <laughs> through that platform. Oh. Uh, yeah, sorry to let you down, but it is. Um <laughs> But yeah, Jeff, I'm sure Jeff's really pleased with this podcast series so far. Yeah. Look, Jeff, you've got a lot of good stuff on your streaming platform and it pains me that you do. But look, this is the world that we live in now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so where was I? Sorry. Yeah. Um, so in this... <laughs> it was Soulmates. <laughs> soulmates. Yeah. Back to Soulmates. Um, so in that story about that couple and then all the other episodes, all the characters kind of have to tackle with that idea that you can pay to have your DNA basically analysed by this specialist company and right. you will be given a match to the one other person on Earth who's your ideal soulmate and partner mm. in the universe which kind of as utopian as it sounds causes a lot of interesting mess for people who find themselves in existing relationships or how single people might approach their love lives knowing that they kind of live in a world where the ideal person is out there for them. So kind of these ideas of like, well, why waste your time shopping around when you know the perfect match is already there sort of thing. And uh, I don't know, they kind of cover a good range of stories and themes and explore that those ideas in the show. And the cast are all pretty solid throughout. You've got, uh, in another episode, you've got Bill Skarsgård and Nathan Stewart Garrett, who they both really stand out uh, in quite a fun, sort of slightly goofy episode uh, that's about holiday romance and grifting set in Mexico. That's right. that's a good one. So it is um, a little bit like um, Black Mirror concept. It is, yeah. It's an anthology series, yeah. yeah. So you've got that overall theme of Mm. the idea of the the Soulmates Company being a thing in the world. And then you just explore different characters' experiences based on that. Um, And it doesn't really... I thought it was going to do the Black Mirror thing of like hinting that they're all kind of, you know, in this one big universe and Mm. the stories intertwine somehow occasionally or there's little Easter eggs. But it it didn't seem to do that too much. They did all seem like pretty much standalone yeah um like the characters didn't overlap from one into the other 
but yeah, that was fun. The rest of the casserole was all great as well. You had, what was in another one? You had um, Breaking Bad star, what was she called? Betsy Brandt, I think. Yeah, the wife. The wife the from wife. Breaking Bad, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, she kind of steals the show, to be honest with you, as a woman in one episode. Yeah, uh, not yep. Skylar, no. It wasn't Skylar, no. was it? Skylar was Walter's wife. Um, oh, the... The, bro- the brother's wife. Yes. All right, okay. Yes. Sorry, I was a big fan of that show. I don't know why I can't remember the characters' names anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's she's really great. She plays a character who's like suffering from, she's sort of had a string of abusive relationships in the past and then she meets her match and she discovers some things about herself and her own kind of strength of personality in quite a twisted, fun way. Um, and then other episodes explore like a range of themes you've got religious cults and polygamy and sexual harassment covered in a few other episodes as well uh all the juicy stuff then yeah it goes through quite a few interesting ideas um but i don't know i did kind of wish similar to black mirror i guess that they had a few more episodes by the time the season was finished how many episodes per season are there uh i don't know i think there might have been five possibly right uh which I don't know about you, but um, I know it's hard maybe to be like as prolific as someone like Rod Sterling with Twilight Zone and sort of like churn out mm. episode after episode. But for me, uh, a lot of these like modern anthology shows that you have, I'd kind of happily wait for a longer production schedule so you could end up with a few a more, more episodes at the end of a season. Yeah. Yeah. Even because with I like... mirror as much as I love it. Sorry. Uh, what were you saying? Yeah, no, just I was gonna just kind of agree with you saying that. Like, I enjoy the concept so much of shows like that that I want to explore them that little bit more rather than mm-hmm. just the one or two perspectives we might get from one or two characters, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I get you. What were you gonna say? Yeah. I was gonna say, like, I, I, I understand that it's like maybe a big ask for so much, especially, I mean, sure, when Charlie Brooker started. Uh, Black Mirror like a lot of it was just on his back and before other kind of writers I know you did get some other writers I think a few of the writers from Peep Show had involvement in the first season and stuff as well but uh, I know you kind of built that team over time as seasons progressed so we had more writers on board but um, yeah I get get that it's like a big ask for somebody to just be expected to just churn out that much themselves Um, so it is a challenge and it's probably more challenging I imagine to write an anthology series uh, than it is to write an ongoing series in a way because you you've got to have mm. fresh ideas out the can every single time. Um, yeah, which I'm sure can kind of wear a bit thin when you're trying to think of a whole seasons worth of television. I guess. Of course. Um, yeah. Did you have a favourite particular episode though? Uh, I'd say one of the standouts for me was that one that I just mentioned with uh, mm. the Breaking Bad star in. Uh, that was that was a really good one. Uh, just about the way she kind of. I can't reveal too much about that one because we'll spoil it for people. Right. Okay. Uh, there's a little bit of a twist in the tale with that one, but um, yeah, I mean that they all stood out. To be honest with you, they're all pretty strong in their own way. I didn't kind of sit through one and think like, oh, that was kind of a waste of time. Yeah. Um, which impressed me. I guess if you're kind of like me, you maybe you're missing a bit of a bit of Black Mirror during the the lockdown season. Then yeah, uh, I don't know. Did a decent job of filling that hole for me. Cool. It's kind of worth checking out if you're into we, that kind of thing. Do we know if there's any more Black Mirror on the way? I'm not 100%, you know. 
I don't know. I'm not sure I, about that. I haven't heard any rumblings about that show in quite a while now. Yeah, I'm the same. I know that Charlie Brooker did. I mean, normally he'd do like his. I mean, obviously he had a lot of involvement in his other his wipe series and uh, all that kind of stuff before. Yeah. Uh, Black Mirror came along, but then he used to do like his yearly review kind of thing for the BBC. Uh, yeah. At his, and he did. Uh, he did what I thought was a stronger version of, I, I can't remember what he called it. He called it, instead of uh, screen wipe or something, it was called something to do with like sanitary wipe or something. Like it was like a COVID sort of themed one halfway right. through the that year. But then at the end of the year, he'd also been working on with one of the Black Mirror writers, a, uh, I can't remember what it was called now, but he did a, he did a, he did the version of that basically for Netflix exclusively. Okay. And right. that got ripped to pieces, critically. Right. Like, absolutely slated. And I do know a lot of people that liked his work that were pretty mean about that. It wasn't too bad. It was, certainly wasn't on a par with the stuff I was used to seeing him produce with the BBC. To be honest, but, um, it, te- it tends to happen where a creator will set a bar so incredibly high that mm-hmm. if they don't hit that bar with their next project, then it gets slated rather than proportionately kind of reviewed if that makes sense yeah definitely and i think with him as well because he is so brilliant and so consistently funny like when he when he's done when he does his main main when he's mainly doing his comedy work sorry outside of like the the stuff that he's done on black mirror um because there's such consistency in the level of the quality of that and the humor of that show that he did for netflix was more um it was leaning a bit more towards an american audience yeah, and I think there was a compromise there between the type of things that maybe he would get away with doing when he was doing his stuff on the BBC, and yeah. I don't know. It kind of like it felt like it sort of softened the edges on him a little bit. Um, right. But yeah, I didn't think it was terrible anyway. Uh, but yeah, I don't know Black Black, Black Mirror. Sorry, I'm not hundred percent. But cool. yes, well worth a watch for anybody who's missing that type of stuff and would like to watch a. A nice little anthology series there. Fantastic. Subscribe to Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we really okay, we get... might as well go all in now. You know, maybe they'll <laughs> give us some money at the end of the day. A desperately plea for sponsorship. <laughs> so, um, yeah. This week was uh, quite a, there was quite a release this week, shall we say, and it was a different streaming service, one that isn't available um, over on this side of the pond yet, on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. I'm sure anyone with social media knows what I'm going to say next, but I watched (laughs) the Snyder Cut of Justice League on Thursday night. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Um, And... Long story short, I did not think it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now for the long story. <laughs> contrary to popular belief, which I'm actually I'm actually gobsmacked, dumbfounded at the response to this film. But I can I can imagine why, and I think it's like what we were saying earlier, because there was such a kind of mixed reaction to his first. DC film like Man of Steel which 
Some people really love, some people kind of dislike, some people are very in the middle about it. I'm kind mm-hmm. of in the middle about it. I don't think it's terrible. I think there's a lot of that movie that I enjoy. But, you know, the last kind of, he always falls down on the last hurdle for me. 100%. That's my issue with that as well. I, I, I feel exactly the same as what you've just said there with yeah. that movie. I really enjoyed it until like your third act when yeah. things are just getting obliterated for the sake of explosions yeah. going off. Explosions. And man, this is totally rad. This is cool, <laughs> man. Slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then Batman vs Superman, I thought, was just a complete mess. Um, even his Snyder cut of that, with the Ultimate Edition, did add a bit more kind of sense to the whole Lex Luthor plot, and you know how how they then end up working together or whatever, you know, resolving their little feud, even if it all feels a bit convenient. Mm-hmm. But his Justice League is. It's just full Zack Snyder, really self-indulgent. Like, he's really indulging all of the things that I dislike about his films and dialing it up to 12. (laughs) Not even 11, Dean. He dials everything up to 12. So I'm talking like religious metaphor, allegory, visuals (laughs) with... I don't know, like level 5,000 slow motion. It's crazy, <laughs> Dean. Like this man needs to just chill. Is but, this film all in fact one shot? <laughs> no. One one slow motion shot for three hours. Oh, yes, it's one slow that? motion shot for three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I just, I, I want to preface this. I really don't want this to be an entire Zack attack because I do feel for the guy and I feel for... What he went through, obviously, he went through personal tragedy. If anyone doesn't know, he went through personal tragedy the first time this film was released in theatres. He had to leave the production due to his his daughter tragically um, uh, taking her own life, which you wouldn't wish on any person. Um, But Warner Brothers went ahead and still released a version of his film that was redone by Joss Whedon who's also been a very controversial figure lately but Joss Whedon kind of butchered the movie and then you know added his own tone to it where you have Zack Snyder who wants to take all of these things super super seriously Mm -hmm. which kind of defeats the purpose of these films for me um but anyway I'll save that for a little bit later but Joss Whedon came in and you know added a lighter tone to it which on its own could have been a good movie and Zack Snyder's version on its own could have been a good movie as well. We'll get Mm -hmm. to that in a moment. Um, But they were just a mishmash of different, like the movie didn't know what it wanted to be. And that was very different personalities, those two, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. definitely. So um, that movie was not good. And of course the online campaign to get released the Snyder cut kicked off. And here we are, like four was it four years later, and we have the Snyder Cut now. Zack Snyder's Justice League, as it is called, I had to watch it on Now TV, so I got the seven day free trial on Now TV because that's okay. we don't have HBO Max here. So um, I got that, and I sat down to watch it, and I knew going in that the thing is four hours long. <laughs> Um, but I figured, right, the original one I saw was two hours. There's an extra two hours of content here that I didn't see. 
that I would like to see. Um, and apparently there were 40 minutes of footage from the original film that were still used in, in this version. So it's like, I was excited to see something at least new, you know, mm-hmm. but my expectations are tempered because I'm not the biggest fan of his films. And especially his DC movies have kind of more so been bad in my opinion. But anyway, I went in kind of excited to see it, you know, like I'm a Batman nerd. I'm a, like superheroes of course i'm gonna want to watch it and want it to be good Mm -hmm. but look it's not good it's really not good and it's overly long it did not need to be four hours um i think i got 45 minutes into the film and i knew nothing new everything i knew about the original film was what i was seeing on screen in the first 45 minutes it was just slow motion serious dark brooding trying way too hard to be profound it just found it very 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 pretentious and the one scene i keep remembering is the introduction of the flash who's presented as he's supposed to be as a light-hearted kind of comedic you know comic relief character and he is he's quite good in the film as well like Whenever he shows up, I, I quite enjoy watching him, um, played by Ezra Miller. But his introduction had me crawling on the floor laughing. <laughs> and when you're doing, when you're laughing at that, but it's, you can really tell you're not supposed to laugh at it. That's when you know, all right, something's a bit wrong here. It's it's kind of laughably pretentious. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you see him. And I don't dislike using slow motion on the flash because his powers are running really fast and it's cool visuals. But the music choices, the dialogue, it's cringy, it's cheesy, it's it's everything that would be in a comic, but is fine in a comic that has kind of charm and, you know, an innocent playfulness about it. But if you complement that with Zack Snyder wanting these, you know these characters to be like oh, gods or something you know the way he he portrays them it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't fit it doesn't mix for me it just it's not good and what else like the the right i did mention the music choices um so five but probably at least five times in the first two hours there's you know introducing all the different characters and there's a music choice and nine times out of ten it doesn't work and there was at least five moments in the first two hours of the film that the, the, the music did not work at all, whatsoever. Complete mm-hmm. shift in tone or like, I know what you're trying to go for here, but it's not serious, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is it that annoying use of music that um, and this really bugs me? Not, not only just the poor music choice in something, but when when someone edits in a track, in a scene and it's a film or a TV show or something, well, I, I get really bugged with like an impatience about it that it mm. it doesn't even allow the music to play out to accompany the scene and be part of the scene for long enough that it, it like it fits the rhythm of what's playing out. It like It's like somebody, uh, like I felt like this with um, the soundtrack to Suicide Squad, which just drove yes. me insane because yeah. that's like being in a party where somebody's in the kitchen and they've got, their finger on the skip track option 
Yep. Like I'm probably going to be old school now on a CD player or, or whatever on Spotify on a playlist. And they just hear like, oh, this is a good one. Yeah. I love it. Have you guys heard this one? Oh, I can't wait to listen to this one. Oh, what about that? And they play like 20 seconds of a song and yep. you're just like, just please stop and play the song. I want to hear the music, please. Yeah. And that's how that film's edited with its song choices. And it drives me insane. Is it, yeah. it's exactly is it similar like that. to that? It's yeah. exactly it's exactly like that, and the the, the music doesn't fit the, the the tone. Actually, he's trying to set a tone that just doesn't work, um, mm-hmm. because it's too ridiculous, you know. So, especially like I just keep remember the Flash saying it's so funny. Um, if it ever pops up on YouTube, watch it. It's just hilarious. Um, <laughs> so he has to go out and save some woman from a car crash or something. He's going to a job interview and he's kind of charismatic and you're like, ah, oh, look at him. He's going for a job interview. You kind of invested in it a little bit. See where this is going. And then he sees, he witnesses possibly a car crash happening outside. So he goes and then it all turns slow motion and rain and just all this epic stuff. Like, I don't know if you've seen these kind of internet memes or not memes, but like the compilations of all these moments that require Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> no, I've not seen To that. create this like epic feel, his choice of music is kind of like that. So it makes you laugh, you know, <laughs> um, because he's bursting through the rain in slow motion, going to save this woman and looking like Jesus or something. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Stupid. <laughs> I actually I'm I'm baffled at the good reviews for this film. <laughs> but as well, the story itself. The story itself is pretty much the same as the one we got in the theatrical cut. Now, we've been promised this much deeper, expanded, like mythology, Lord of the Rings-esque thing with the DC universe, which I'm all up for. Like I, I enjoy the the character of Darkseid and, you know, the, you know, from the books like Darkseid War and all this fourth world mythology from Jack Kirby with the new gods and new Genesis and Apocalypse and all this kind of cool mythology, fantasy filmmaking. But he just doesn't know how to do that, I think. Um, the dialogue is full of exposition. It's just the, the four hours are the characters explaining shit to me. And I don't, like, characters don't talk to each other like that. It's just cheesy and expository. <laughs> it's just all word vomit. Like, yo, he needs these mother boxes to come destroy everything. If we don't get these mother boxes, he's going to take <laughs> over the world. And mother boxes? There's, there's mother boxes in this film. Oh, right. oh okay. yeah. So he needs to collect, yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, Thanos needs the Infinity Stones. He needs to collect three mother boxes and connect them to form a unity so he can then turn the world into his own I don't know, ah, you know, all that shit. But there's a way to do those kind of cheesy stories a much in a much more compelling way if you have better dialogue and better characters. Okay, the good stuff. <laughs> we do get a bit of expansion on some of the characters, a little bit. I don't think it's done exceptionally well, but it's definitely better than the original, than the theatrical cut. So like Cyborg, you kind of, he's an actual person. <laughs> ironically um the flash as well is completely different not in his sense of humor but at least in his characterization than the original and i liked that but honestly like ben affleck as batman is still just as flat 
Henry Cavill is just as flat as Superman in this film. It's that there's no personality to any of them. Even Wonder Woman, who I really enjoy her solo film, is just there. She's just doing stuff. <laughs> um, and it's I I found myself completely detached from what the, it is they had to do. Um, mm-hmm. Jason Momoa's Aquaman is kind of cool. I do like him, even though I don't like his film. <laughs> But him as that character, he's quite good. And I just wish they had better stories for these characters and better writing, especially. It strikes me that Zack Snyder is a director that, like, actors to him may... This is just an assumption I'm making, but might come across more as maybe the Hitchcock approach, which a bit Hitchcock had an amazing balance that he Mm. could actually still... The actor's still committed enough to give great performance in, in his films. But I just mean in the sense of, like... The actors are kind of props in a way, or like puppets to just be in the scene, and the scene, and like the technical execution of the scene is the primary goal of that filmmaker. And yeah. the acting and the performances, well, that's the actor's work, and leave them to it. And it, it doesn't really coax amazing performances out of people. Like you, you mentioned there, like the difference between her starring in Wonder Woman and mm. starring in that. And I'm yeah. sure that's down to the director involved, just not Absolutely. having commitment or involvement in that side of the process as much. Like, it doesn't matter to them quite as much. Absolutely. Um, and I think the, the issue with this film, and I think where all the good reviews are coming from, are just inherently comparing it to the theatrical cut, which I think is unfair to both Zack Snyder himself, to this movie, and to Joss Whedon, actually, because Joss Whedon had a tough job there as well you know to yeah i imagine to finish a film that was 75 percent done here you do this you release it add your own spin to it whatever and he was given like what six weeks to do it that's a difficult job of course the film wasn't going to be great i'm sure joss whedon himself knows it's not great um but i think that's the such a negative reaction to that and everything that Zack snyder went through is probably making people look at this all rosy doughy eyed like oh my god he finally got to do what he wanted to do and it's good just because it's more cohesive and i don't think it being better than the original or being more cohesive inherently makes this a good film (laughs) because it's really not um it's just it's it's a chore to get through it's four hours of exposition and slow motion and trying way too hard to be profound basically that's that is this that that hits the nail on the head with my my personal view on the movies of Zack Snyder like his career in general is that 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 desperation to prove to and to me it's like there's there's a quality about his stuff uh there's a tone to it that Mm. for me is like reminiscent of like a I guess like a moody emo teenager like locked in his room who really wants to prove to the world how gritty and serious and deep he is and he wants to do something that's going to be like yeah it's gonna I don't know what I'm I'm trying to get at but you know that that quality like in the the sense of the word that there's an immaturity to it in the sense that it it so desperately wants to be taken as something serious and something worthwhile that it's it there's an immaturity to that. Like it's yeah. not, it doesn't actually feel like it's grounded in the experience of like 
of the world itself and it's it's lived through the things that it talks about the things that it talks about are superficial and it's all style and no substance beyond that and it feels like i'm not knocking the style sorry i quite Um, like his visual style i quite like it Exactly. There, there are t- there's there's certainly like there's a technical achievement in the stuff that he executes that I can't fault. And like that, and there's there's even like a there's like a gaudy sort of quality to the visual sometimes that like mm. it's but it's when I first watched when I saw three hundred in the cinema at the first time, it was like it was that ugly like to the point <laughs> that it it became beautiful in a way like it it was yeah. it was it stood out that much in it like how false it looked it was quite different that, it was new that it was really it was new anything. it was a new yeah. experience yeah i was like watching it thinking like this is almost like watching claymation or something like it was yeah. i can understand the effort that's gone to stitching all these elements together and even though they look incredibly false there's a charm mm. to them there's a quality to them that i appreciate that i that's new and i've never really seen it before and it stood out but then there's a fine line between that becoming tacky and I think as yeah. he carries on, like some of his visual style is a bit tacky and trying yeah. to, something like Sucker Punch to me is just like, a, again, like a moody teenager's wet dream of a film. 100%. Like this. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's like a horny yeah. teenager who's in his room and just discovered like, dude, <laughs> Superman is Moses, man. This is so <laughs> rad. Let's have him punch Darkseid in slow motion because it'd be so cool. That's so epic, bro. <laughs> I just yeah. that's exactly how I imagine him to be. And then he's uh-huh. trying to force emotional depth, but just doesn't know how to do it. Um yeah. and uh-huh. I don't know, that's just I find the I I've been reading a lot of reviews online and I am really, really trying to be positive about the film, but I can't because it wasn't good and I and I feel bad knocking it because i know what he went through to get this film out there so mm-hmm. i like it in that sense and i like that it's better than the i like that he'll leave a better legacy with this with these films now you know in the in the public eye yeah but they're just not for me and i don't think to me that it's objectively good <laughs> <laughs> but i'm glad for him which is i guess the, the the bottom line you know um but as a fan of comics as a fan of superhero films it, it's it's dis- it's bitterly disappointing to me um okay but i was talking to a mutual friend of ours as well and it, it summed it up perfectly and he just said it was completely tone deaf <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's it's the, the tone of the film does not, I don't think he was able to translate what he took. Clearly, because he took a lot of inspiration from works like Jack Kirby's Fourth World from the 70s and, um, you know, Jeff John's Dark Side War or like Grant Morrison's Final Crisis. There's definitely stuff in there and very visual, cool visuals. But substance z- zero to me, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. But yeah, horny teenager who thinks Superman looks so cool in slow motion all the time, like 24-7. Yeah, nah, man, that's not that's not what I'm about. <laughs> yeah, so that well, was disappointing. Ma- maybe not on my watch list. I, to be honest with you, I've not even seen, I've not even seen the original. I think I lasted, I think I lasted maybe four minutes <laughs> into the original before i was yeah. like nah i'm not watching this i turn this off and i probably yeah. watched i probably watched about 10 minutes of uh of what did you mention before uh 
Batman, Batman versus, versus yeah. Superman. And again, it was like, no, nah, I'm really, I'm just going to be angry when I keep watching. I'm going to yeah. turn this off. <laughs> so yeah. I just didn't bother, and I've never got around to seeing either of them. So another thing yeah. about this film that I thought was baffling was that it's it's filmed obviously in IMAX, but presented in a like four by three aspect ratio. Okay. So you've got black bars at the side of your kind of widescreen at, at, on your TV at home, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of looked it up. I was like, well, here's, there's something wrong with my Now TV subscription. Like, what's going on here? But no, apparently he filmed it like on IMAX cameras, knowing that it was going to be released on like home streaming, but still left it like that because he said, you know, something like capturing all the image, which I appreciate, but he gave some stupid metaphorical symbolism reason for it. Like (laughs) it just, it visually represents Superman being accepting who he is and standing up vertically. And I'm like, dude, no, (laughs) like he's, he said something about like vertical. He's just vertical as opposed to horizontal. I'm like, what are you saying? What is he? What are you saying? So, so what it's for, so it's the, four, by the format the format was shot because IMAX format is like super super wide, isn't it? Like it's a, uh, but um, it's it's super tall and super wide, but it's made it's made. Oops, sorry, it's made for um, cinema screens. So like yeah. if you watch it on a cinema screen, you won't have the black bars on your on your TV. But he's but he's cropped that ratio to yeah. a square four by three, or nearly square sort of traditional it's, it's, four by three full on square. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Bizarre. <laughs> Very bizarre to watch on your home TV. Okay. 100%. But um, yeah, and then that was just a very minor thing about the film as well. It was annoying watching such a big epic four-hour movie yeah. on a square. <laughs> like I might as well have just watched it on an old box TV from the 90s, you know? But um, See, I'm not, I, 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 I'm actually, I don't mind the, the four by three format. I, I, I don't mind what format you kind of choose for something. And I, I think, uh, what was I, I watched a few years back and somebody was reusing that format again and it worked for the film. I was like, oh, I'm glad filmmakers are starting to use this format. American Honey. Yeah. I yeah. remember watching that and that's shot in four by three. I remember watching that and thinking, oh, I'm glad, I'm glad some filmmakers are starting to bring that, that as an aspect ratio back just because. It just it just adds to different forms of composition with the cinematography a little bit than you would get yeah. on like a sixteen by nine or whatever sort of widescreen format. But um, yeah, to to like shoot on IMAX where the format itself, the mm. idea is to just like gain that maximum wide field of view, but then to only like use a portion of the image at shot at a super high resolution. I don't really see the benefit. Yeah. Like but that you wouldn't just shoot. I don't know. I can understand a reasons. stylistic <laughs> choice like that if it suits the narrative or if it actually does feel like okay well there's a point to this like mm-hmm. mo- most recently like just in the last few weeks WandaVision WandaVision doing its 1950s yeah. episodes used that aspect ratio and then when we came outside of like Wanda's created reality mm-hmm. we came back to like the real world like the outside world outside of her little her little hub yeah. and you can see the they slowly kind of revealed the change in aspect ratio to widescreen again because mm-hmm. now it visually is representing you exiting that reality which is cool and i understand that as a as a stylistic choice and it works but for me i didn't see any justification just because oh i can see the clouds in this picture better now great 
Like, <laughs> I, I don't care, you know? Um, so, I don't know. That was uh, that was the Snyder Cup. I really hope I wasn't too mean to Zach, but Warner Brothers, like, someone get in there and and please tell him to stop using the slow motion button. And I know this, like, this film could set a precedent, you know, and, and I know people are demanding, like, oh, studio interference in movies, studio interference, which I know to a point is bad. But in the same way that a novelist needs an editor, I think, you know, directors need someone in the room just to tell them, like, I, I just don't think this is working now, Zach, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, to a point. And I think him with just complete free reign and like shackles completely off he was allowed to totally indulge in all of the bad habits he has as a filmmaker <laughs> so yeah, yeah i don't know it get like for for kind of a bad movie it gave me a lot to think about and a lot to talk about so there is that um, oh yeah it's filled up this episode nicely <laughs> yeah <laughs> it has filled up this episode nicely I've never talked so much about a movie I didn't like in my life <laughs> so that was uh, my experience with the Snyder Cut of Justice League Dino how do you mm-hmm. do you have anything else to take us maybe on a bit of a more positive note to finish up here uh, oh, I don't know about positive. I've got my issues with this next thing a little bit, but not sure. Look, not let's, let's keep it all. Let's keep it all <laughs> in a negative light. <laughs> not too mean about it. Uh, yeah, let's I got rip around everything to, to shreds. <laughs> Fair enough. I got around to um, the only other thing I've really checked out recently enough was I came across quite a positive review of the second season of a show called Servant Mm -hmm. and I'd not seen the original series so sorry the first season so I decided to go back and get hold of those and check them out Uh, I think it was on Apple TV Uh, it was aired for that it's um, created by Tony Bascalop, I think the guy's name is. He's the showrunner and ex-produced by M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. Uh, and he directs a few episodes as well, so he kind of does the job. Typical, like, they tend to do it. There's a bit of a trend. I guess Boardwalk Empire yeah. did that similar thing with Scorsese. You come in, you get a director to kind of like... And the Finch has done that before and stuff like that. You know, they get, they get a big-name director. Cards with, exactly, yeah. yeah, kind of come in, direct the first, direct the pilot, set the tone, and then everybody yeah. sort of follows suit afterwards. So it's it's one of those. Um, who's in it? You got uh, the girl from... It stars uh, Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under. Oh, yeah. yeah. Red-haired actress. Uh, and you've got Toby Kebble, who I've always liked from he's Dead Man's Shoes. Yeah, and he's he's been in a few Hollywood movies, hasn't he, over the years? He did quite well. Yeah. Uh, going over to America and you have Rupert Grint who oh. he's actually he's carrying a bit more weight these days and he uh, does look a bit tubby these days yeah he does but it works for this because he's like he reminded me a little bit of Orson Welles at times in this <laughs> <laughs> there's something about him I've got that Orson Wellesy kind of vibe going on with him at times I wouldn't have expected uh, that from Ron Weasley now but okay yeah you wouldn't um, <laughs> and uh the other star is Nell Tigerfree, who some people might remember as Marcella Baranthian from Game of Thrones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's in that 
the general gist of the show is it's about a couple who lost their baby very early on and they have been advised to use, they use a therapy doll uh, to deal with the trauma of the child's death. Um, so you have a nanny, Nell Tigerfree, her character. She plays a nanny who shows up at the home of the couple and she has to nurse the doll in order to kind of keep this illusion going with the mother to prevent her from like descending further and further into her mental breakdown about the trauma and things getting worse there. And then this being something that M. Night Shyamalan decided to back, you have certain twists and turns and mysterious things that happen from that point on. They kind of go a certain way. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun enough show to watch. Like, it's beautifully shot. It's really nicely put together. Um, got to say that for it. The cinematography is excellent. And um, the performances are quite fun. They're quite heightened performances. Uh, mm. Lauren Ambrose in particular, very sort of like wide-eyed, in-your-face, kind of like right. bordering, bordering on like the hammy. But like right. not treading a very fine line, sort almost of like almost Al Pacino. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sort of, those sort of, but but you know her character's quite the, quite a manic sort of like you right. know highly strung character. So it works quite well. She she so she her character she's a she's a, a journalist, an ex newscaster who now sort of like due to the effects of the pregnancy and stuff, she's sort of stay at home, um, and her husband is. Toby Kebbell's character, and he plays, I think he's described as like a, a bon vivant. And I right. thought, I, I recognise that term. I've heard that term before, but I wasn't 100% what it was. I had to Google it afterwards. But a bon right. vivant is somebody who is an expert uh, in sort of food and wine culture. So he play, he's like, he's pretty much like a stay-at-home chef. Okay. And he kind of creates new dishes for new restaurants and stuff at home. And the, and the TV show seems to be like really preoccupied with food. Uh, you right. become incredibly hungry watching this show because there's always like something delicious being made by his character in every single scene yeah. and uh, <laughs> they concentrate quite a lot with the editing and the cinematography as well on the creation of the food it seems to be weirdly like a big part of the show that's never really explained it's just part of the theme somehow everyone loves uh, food let's just film the food yeah yeah, yeah. to be honest with you it's some of the best food i've seen to be it's uh, some of the best examples of food i've probably since uh what's his name um john favreau's chef john favreau's chef exactly yeah, yeah that's what yeah. i was going to say probably apart from that one of the best depictions on screen i've seen of a chef's life and food really put yeah. on screen uh in a way but um yeah and rupert rupert grint's like uh they'll wife's brother mm-hmm. and he's kind of like this sort of like like quite rude sort of alcoholic kind of like brash sort of figure that comes in and he has a field day in that performance he's really fun to watch like say there is that awesome wellsy kind of vibe he's like this mm-hmm. sort of like bourgeois kind of like character who just stumbles in and he's always got a glass of wine in his hand or something and he's just like always mouthing off about something and he's quite grumpy yeah. um but it's quite fun watching him play that. You just wouldn't cast him as that in a million years, but he does a really mm-hmm. good job of it. Um, so he's quite fun to watch. But uh, yeah, it does that thing, which I guess some later M. Night Shyamalan stuff is going off, of like setting you up with a really great mysterious premise and then not necessarily paying it off as it goes along. Like there's, It's building to something 
And even two seasons in, I'm kind of getting to this stage where like certain things are being revealed about the characters and certain mysteries unraveled. And I'm like, I really want to know what's going on here. And you're kind of hinting at something really interesting, but then it never quite explains itself enough that you get to know what that is. And you just think like, yeah. when am I, how many seasons of this and I'm going to have to go through before yeah. you start answering some of those questions? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of to the point where it's become a bit frustrating and silly at this stage that by the time right. I got to the end of the second season, a lot of those things that I liked were keeping me watching, like the the look of the show and like those, some of those performances and stuff were keeping me going. But like it's got to a point now where like I am getting a bit frustrated with it as well yeah. and debating whether I keep on watching like whenever a third season comes out. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's the only other thing I've been checking out recently enough there was only one yeah. other thing i watched this week but i might save it for next week when i catch the next episode i watched um just the first episode of falcon winter soldier on disney plus and really enjoyed okay. it but i'll save yeah. it for save it for next week i don't want to overload on the, the superhero cool. talk but, um, uh, good stuff i think we were we were very uh unlucky with the things that we watched this week right? <laughs> it seems to be yeah <laughs> yeah it seems to be the case yeah hopefully yeah uh, Hopefully we can watch or read Although, something no, good. Soulmate, soulmates was soulmates good. Was but like, good. but soulmates. I didn't watch that. Technically, that was a cheat because I didn't watch that this week. That was like a backup from a few ah, weeks back. You sneaky yeah. man. You sneaky man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But look, look, next, next, um, maybe next week we'll have better luck with uh, whatever we're consuming. Yeah. Hopefully, I've uh, I've I started off uh, again. We'll leave it for a proper conversation. But your mm. selection for me uh, last week, Outcast. Oh, cool! Yeah, I've started dipping into that, and yeah. it's it's an enjoyable read so far. I'm also back into the second season of Halt and Catch Fire from January. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on cool. episode five now and enjoying the second season far more than the first one, which is which is cool. And I think those two female leads are the best thing in the show they're the, be- yeah. the, the the hook of my interest in the show so yeah i'm looking forward to, to watching the rest of them now oh good to hear uh that it's good that you feel that because as the seasons play out they will definitely become more of a focus as far yeah. as the show is concerned as well cool very cool, cool. shall okay. we leave it at that for this week then dino i think we should yeah thank you again everybody for listening and guess our usual reminders of uh if you are enjoying the show then please show your support with a nice review or nice feedback online follow on spotify on etc yes apple tunes mm-hmm. or uh, that link in our description uh that little link that uh, allows you to also if you're feeling extra generous donate uh but yeah yeah thanks thanks Catch very next much week. and uh subscribe to fucking Amazon (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you want to if you're listening to Amazon give us that sponsorship deal (laughs) yep making the big bucks (laughs) alright people see you next week bye bye